From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy showing for September 2nd, 2022. It's a Friday. It is Labor Day weekend. And if it's September, is it really September, Danny Flecka? Uh, that it is. <laughs> Just years flying by. The last couple of weeks have flown by. It's good to be. I know it's not great that summer is coming to an end, uh, especially for those of us in the Northeast, but it's always nice when the calendar turns to September and we get football back. I, I literally, for the life of me, I'm like, it's September already? Jeez. But yeah, that must mean football. And uh, Denzel Mims has not been traded yet. The Jets cannot find a place for him. That would give him the value. Oh, the Jets. Oh, the Jets. Oh, the Jets. But you had a summer off from us here at Teeing It Up. We didn't do a lot of podcasts over the summer, but you had a summer off. Um, and I, I heard you took up fly fishing and bass fishing. <laughs> yeah, if only I had the time. Uh, the summer was, was a little busy with some other things going on, but... <laughs> Uh, no, those are not hobbies I intend on picking up anytime soon, though. Um, let's start here. Daniel Jones, Zach Wilson. Um, are Who's going to be the better entering week one next week when we're going to be talking about specific games? Who's the better New York quarterback? And then who will end the season as the better New York quarterback? And if the answer is Joe Flacco, then both of our teams have problems. So you're asking for this year or, or going into 2023? No, no, no. Uh, for, uh, for this upcoming season, who will start the year as the better quarterback and who will end the year as the better quarterback? So by default, it has to be Daniel Jones starting the season as the better quarterback just because he's available. Um, Zach Wilson's availability Fair. is there right now so Daniel Jones sort of wins that one when I look at the totality of the year um, that's tough uh, <laughs> I think you know I'm going to lean Daniel Jones just because I think from a standpoint of experience even though it's not great experience that he's bringing to the table um, that he has you know a leg up in that sense and I do think that the system that, that Dayball is going to implement with some of the options they have at wide receiver, even though some of them appear to be mediocre as the training camp went along, and you know a, a rejuvenated offensive line, even though they have some issues now, I think a lot of that is a little bit overblown just because you know, that's what the media does. Uh, I think it's going to be... Daniel Jones. I, I do think Zach Wilson has some potential. I, I just don't think it's as high as maybe some Jets fans seeing him. Um, he he needs to stay healthy. This is the second year in a row where he's gotten hurt. He's going to miss some games. Um, he looks skittish last year. He needs to improve his pocket awareness. He has to stay on schedule more than he has been. Um, you know, I know it's only been one year, twelve games, or whatever it's been, but. Uh, I do think there's some potential there for Zach Wilson. I just think you know, Daniel Jones 
even though he's in a mess of a situation himself and has not proved himself to be that guy yet, um, I do think he just has a little bit more of a leg up uh, in the competition. So I'll go with Daniel Jones in that sense. All right, so let's flip to college uh, because that is the main focus this weekend. And boy, was Joe Buck in the news last night. Boy, was Joe Buck in the news. What did he do? He didn't do anything. However, Fox got a heck of a game between Penn State and Purdue. Um, I don't know if any of these teams are going to be competing for any Big Ten titles at the end. But boy, Sean Clifford, you want to talk about moving on to the next level. That's a heck of a fourth quarter rally. Yeah, I mean, I watched that entire game. Sean Clifford is who he is, really, at this point in his career. I wasn't impressed by him. Um, I thought in the second half he was clearly injured, um, almost in his team at the service, but by stepping out onto that field again. Yeah, he makes up for it with that drive, but that pick six he threw was, was laughable. Um, you know, they're not in that situation if he makes that pass. That guy was wide open, sailed it over his head. Um, but you know, give him give him the credit. He he stepped up when needed, but he's just not anything more than than what he is right now. And that's just a, an experienced, mediocre college quarterback who's in his sixth season with the team. And he does provide some limitations, I think, for them offensively. If, if he can't run the ball, uh, if he can't you know get out of the pocket, he's not going to be an effective quarterback. Penn State still struggles to run the ball. Um, they have some high recruits back there in the backfield, but their offensive line didn't really get any push. I think they only had one run yesterday for 10-plus yards. Um, Purdue impressed me more overall. Um, they lost a lot last year. The top two players on their roster were David Bell and George Karloftis, both drafted in the NFL. Um, and they... They really didn't miss a beat to me offensively. I thought that they were pretty impressive. You know, Aon Connell made some good throws. Penn State was getting roasted by that one uh, wide receiver they had. They had some good runs in the run game. Uh, their defense was pretty much solid. You know, they had a couple breakdowns here and there that, that allowed Penn State to score. Um, but I was expecting Purdue to be a little bit, little bit more um, down this year. Maybe that's not the case. I think Jeff Brown is, is a good coach and. Uh, has a solid system in place, especially offensively. They they also just need to um, get a little bit better at, at milking the clock. Um, you know, yesterday they had that opportunity to, to take some more time off the clock in the fourth quarter, and they were a little too aggressive uh, at, at times. But I came away impressed more with Purdue than I did with Penn State. For those who are woefully confused as to why Joe Buck has any part of this conversation, when Fox traded Joe Buck... Um, to ESPN for Monday Night Football. It's just like any trade in any sport. You get something in return. Fox asked for a uh, one more Big Ten college football game from ESPN, uh, and 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 these are slotted and choices and all kinds of things. And it wound up being the opening Thursday night game, just by coincidence. So, uh, got it. Right. So, well, yeah, they, got a, they got a good one to kick off the season, yes. that's for sure. Yes. Speaking of ESPN, the Backyard Brawl, a game that I thought used to occur on Thanksgiving, but it's, but I guess it got moved off of Thanksgiving at some point, or Thanksgiving weekend. Did anything in that pit 
West Virginia game mean anything to you long term? Uh, it used to be on Thanksgiving when they were in the Big East uh, conference realignment that they hadn't played each other since 2011. So Jeez. it's a non-conference game. It was cool to see it on opening opening night. You know, it was a great game. I was flipping back and forth between that and the, the Penn State game, so I didn't see too much uh, of what was going on there. Pittsburgh was definitely sluggish coming out of the gates. Um, you know, new offensive coordinator, new new quarterback, uh, replacing a top wide receiver in the country and Jordan Addison. Their defense was supposed to be the strength of the team. They didn't look that great yesterday. Um, but I think as they get situated throughout the year, they'll be okay. I think West Virginia let one slip. Um, you know, they were up 31-24, let Pittsburgh score, then had a pick six in the next possession that gave uh, Pittsburgh the 38-31 lead. Um, it's an important year for West Virginia with, with their coach. You know, he's in their third or fourth year there. He needs to impress. Um, and, and a big win here would have done a lot for that program for this year. I think, if anything, um, you know, Pittsburgh will be the better team just as the what's the year, just given what they have on their roster and the way Narduzzi coaches. He's, he's you know old school. He's a no nonsense guy, but he's going to be there in the sake of it in the ACC, where I think the ACC is still up for grabs this year. You know, even though Miami and Clemson should bounce back this year and be a little bit more traditional powers in the ACC as we've seen in the past, I still. I still think Pittsburgh's going to have something to say about that. And um, as the year progresses, we'll see them get a little bit more refined in their approach and, and Slovis maybe settles in a little bit. But it was an impressive performance by both teams. A great game. You know, another great game last night that that, um, that we were able to get to start off the season. Uh, anything else from last night that you want to analyze? Something tells me it does not include... Uh, Tennessee's 59-10 win over Ball State. Uh, no, I think you know Oklahoma State had an impressive first half uh, yesterday against um, Central Michigan. Central Michigan's a scrappy team from the back. You know they definitely you know took their foot off the gas in the second half there. So anybody that had that that as um, you know as a bet you know bad beat for Oklahoma State by by letting them score 29 points in the second half. But overall, um, I think the script went as it should have last night. Um, you know, no major upsets, nothing really to, to overanalyze. It is the first game of the season. So I, I think the, the analyzation and the, the hot takes will be coming on Sunday morning after the slate we have on Saturday. Yes. Is there anything about the Michigan State game tonight? Because uh, they are the only ranked team. Is there anything... Uh, in, in that game that you're looking for, or is that a flip to just what to a a flip to something else game? That's just a flip to something else game. I would I'll be interested to see what Michigan State looks like offensively uh, with the loss of some key players there. Their defense is also uh, a unit that needs to step up a little bit in the you know for them to compete in the Big Ten. But I think Michigan State's going to take a step back this year. I think that they caught a lot of people by surprise. Uh, last year, Kenneth Walker had a season of the ages as well for them back in the, you know, for in the, as a running back. I don't think that Michigan State's going to be a big power player this year in the Big Ten, but, uh, you know, they, they do have a good enough team, I think, to, to potentially spoil some other seasons if, if things fall right for them. But I don't think there's anything major in that game that, that we need to pay attention to just because 
it should be a win. You know, the 21-point favorites against Western Michigan um, at home. Nothing major there, really, at the end of the day, unless something fluky happens. Daniel Flecker with us here on Seeing It Up. All right, the two headline games are the Chick-fil-A kickoff between Oregon and Georgia, and then Notre Dame um, and Ohio State from Columbus, number two versus number five in the preseason polls. Let's let's hold that. Let's let's hold those hold hold those two games for a moment. What else are you looking for, either as a fan, a gambling perspective, fan, uh, you know, uh, college fantasies are a, a a very odd word, but just from a you know player perspective, from any other game tomorrow anywhere around the country. So there's two games that really catch my eye. Um, as being games that I'm intrigued by. The first one's at 12 o'clock with North Carolina and App State. Um, why North Carolina is going on the road to play App State is beyond me, and they could not have picked, I think, a worse team to go on the road against, um, especially in to start off the year. I think App State is one of the better programs that people don't talk about. They're consistently good. They play in an underrated conference. The Sun Belt is not a pushover conference. I, I think that you know, you're know you not going to get the top-level talent that you're getting in the other conferences, but the Sun Belt has some fun and exciting teams. And you know, the games with them, uh, you know, with App State, Coastal Carolina, you know, Louisiana, uh, Lafayette, you know, they're a solid – it's a solid conference. Um, and App State is one of the best teams in the – you know, nine power five conferences, even though they don't you know, get the New Year's Day bids or anything like that, they're still always a solid team. And, and UNC is breaking in a lot of new parts, brand new quarterback, brand new defensive coordinator, um, some additional skill players that weren't necessarily the top producers last year for them. They go on the road to App State tomorrow. Uh, I think that game is is what is going to be wildly entertaining. So that's a game I definitely want to have eyes on just to see how that looks. I think UNC is going to have to fight for this one. I don't think it's going to be an easy game for them at all. And App State is, is used to being uh, the spoiler uh, and playing teams tough, especially from the ACC. I think they took Miami down last year, the wire, if not beat them. I can't remember exactly what what that result was last year, but I know that they played Miami really tough uh, last year in Miami. And then the second game is Utah-Florida. I think outside the two headliner games, um, and, and we'll talk about them in a minute, I think this game has the biggest biggest uh, implication implications for the playoff. Utah's traveling to Florida, and everybody's talking about the weather, how it's going to be humid, how Utah's not going to be used to it, and Florida is on the other side, breaking in a new coach, new system, uh, new players. They just find themselves in a very unique situation right now, and you have a Utah team that's coming with a lot of hype for this year. A lot of people are picking them to win the Pac-12. A lot of people have them as sleeper playoff uh, contenders, and that all goes down the drain, at least from a playoff situation, if they lose this game. Um, I like Utah a lot. I think they're physical, they're smart, they're well-coached, they're dynamic in the sense that they don't beat themselves. They make the right plays when they have to. They're fundamentally sound. I think the weather is a little overrated, in my opinion, just because 
it is what it is. You know, they would not have scheduled this game if they didn't understand what was going on. I'm sure they've been preparing all offseason for it. I know you can't mimic the exact um, you know situation that you're going to find down there in Gainesville, but you know, I, I think from a team perspective, this is one of the better teams in the country that isn't in the SEC or the Big Ten that that we need to pay attention to, and a lot will depend on what their future looks like, you know, based off this game. So that's another game that I'm just wildly intrigued by to see how Utah performs uh, on a national level here that that people are going to be paying attention to and watching. Uh, It's not a 10 o'clock kickoff or anything like that either. So the East Coast will be watching, and I think that's going to be a great game. Danny Flecka back with us here on uh, Teeing It Up. Um for the football season Oregon Georgia well for both these games is the loser out of the playoff so the only team that's going to be out if they lose is Oregon um, I don't see them bouncing back if they lose this game and, and in my opinion they're going to lose this game and the, I got two words for you. It's Bo Nix. That, that's why they're going to lose this game. He's just not a good quarterback. And I know he's going to the Pac-12, but I can't trust him. I've seen enough of him. I, I know what he is. I, I know what he's going to bring to the table. And Oregon just doesn't have the dynamic playmakers that are going to beat Georgia. Uh, so I, I think Georgia wins this game. It might be ugly to start off um, just because they're getting into it, but I don't see how or how Georgia struggles here. Um if they somehow lose, they still have the SEC, you know, championship and the SEC schedule to back them up. Um, and, you know, they are one of the top four teams in the country regardless. So, you know, I think Georgia would be fine even if they slip up. And Notre Dame, Ohio State, you know, Notre Dame has a tougher shot if they lose to get back into it. But it's not, you know, out of the realm of possibility if they go 11-1 and one or whatever it is. You know, they have a tough schedule. They play, you know, obviously they have that Ohio State game on there, and they have North Carolina, BYU, Clemson, and USC as well. So, you know, those are that's a pretty strong schedule there if they were able to, to run the table the rest of the year. And then Ohio State, you know, again, has the Big Ten championship and, and the Big Ten schedule that backed them up if they were to somehow slip there. But the only team I see is being completely out if they lose is Oregon. Notre Dame, OSU, who should we be watching? Uh, Marcus Freeman on Notre Dame and Tyler Buckner on Notre Dame. You know, this isn't his first game. He got the bowl game last year, but talk about a way to open up the season. You play your alma mater under the lights, on the road, uh, and ranked number two in the country with potentially the best offense in college football. That's a hell of a way to start off your, your campaign as a, as a head coach at any at any um, And then Tyler Buckner is, is you know going to be the starting quarterback this year. We'll see what he's made of. Um, you know, played a little bit as a freshman. Really, just more of a gadget guy. You know, really just ran the ball a lot. Didn't really throw the ball. He's a top-rated recruit that was coming in there. Supposed to be dynamic, have a good arm. He is mobile. He is fast. He can present some issues on that side of things. So those are the two guys on the Notre Dame side that I'm watching because they're, they're going to go as those two guys go. So 
Um, th this game has an opportunity for them to, to shock the world a bit. I know they're ranked in the top five, but everybody's taking Ohio State. No one thinks Notre Dame's going to hang around with them, and, and you know they have an opportunity here to do something special. Whether they can hang with Ohio State for four quarters, I don't know. I do think their defense presents some issues for Ohio State. And Ohio State has a defensive side of the ball that was very lackluster last year. But Notre Dame does come to this game with, with a lot of hurdles to clear in order to pull off the upset. And then for Ohio State, you're, you're playing at home. You're playing big-time opener. Big, big-time opener. Who should we watch, and how big of a win is this? Like, I think a lot of people in, in college football come at this from, you know, look at these games as, okay, what do we have to gain? And, and, for, and, for, and for some, it's, it, it's obvious, like a Utah or, or Florida, you know, somehow getting the upset there. But for Ohio State, their, their season isn't over if they lose... But you could uh, uh, display some cr some 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 weaknesses if if you're not careful. What are you watching for there? So in Ohio State, there's two guys. It's C.J. Stroud, um, potential number one pick in the draft next year. Potential Heisman potential Heisman winner uh, as well. What can he do to? repeat the success he had last year and even though he lost a lot in the wide receiver he potentially wide receiver room he potentially has the number one wide receiver in the country in Jackson uh, Smith and Jigba they also have a stable wide receivers that are five-star recruits that are going to be in there as well as one of the top running backs in the country so I think Ohio State is just looking at CJ Stroud and how he performs this year and then the second guy is Jim Knowles, uh, the new defensive coordinator for them, team one from Oklahoma State. That defense was a bit of a mess last year. They weren't really um, the strength of that team, which it has been in the last couple of years. They had some dominant edge guys and some dominant corners. Um, you, you could argue that their defense is the reason why they didn't make the playoff last year with losses to Oregon and Michigan, uh, You know, not being able to make stops when they needed to. So those are the two guys that, that I think on the Ohio State side um, I'd be watching. Just because, you know, they have so many players that are so good, but C.J. Stroud is the guy that's going to be potentially the number one pick next year. Indeed. All right. Uh, we got uh, two minutes for two things. Number one, your demand to the Yankees, and number two, the fantasy football player nobody's talking about but everybody should have on their roster. Yeah, I mean, the Yankees just need to figure it out, honestly. Like, the whole team, they need to get their bullpen in order. They need to stop being dumb um, like they were in the road trip. You don't pitch to Shohei Atani when the rest of the Angels lineup stinks as the other guys beat you. they got to hold on to leads. I think they blew. Every game they lost in the road trip was a, a game that they had to lead in. So, and it's, it goes without saying, just like tighten things up. And if they don't have a good weekend, we're talking about them just holding on to win the division, let alone potentially get yeah. into the World Series yeah. or anything. So, what, the first thing is take care of business this weekend. On the fantasy side, I mean, there's so many players, obviously, every single year that there's always people that come out of nowhere. But I think the one guy that I haven't really heard a lot about that I think is going to be a good player this year is Elijah Mitchell on the on the 49ers. 
He's not in that top tier of running backs. He had some injury issues last year. The way I look at it with him is that we have a team in San Francisco that has a quarterback that's going to take some time to get situated. Kyle Shanahan likes to win on the run game, and he was explosive for them last year. So for me, um, you know, he's tremendous value for where you can get him. I've had three drafts so far. I've gotten him in every single league around the fifth or sixth round. I just think he has an opportunity to improve on what he did last year and where, where you're able to get him. You know, you're looking at potential, you know, top 10 running back value. Um, and everybody knows how thin that position is from a fantasy perspective. So that's the one guy I think there's not a lot of buzz around. Everybody's always trying to find like the sleeper and everything. Um, but I think he just presents some, some, uh, great value where he's, uh, where he's being drafted right now. Daniel Flecker, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for coming on Teeing It Up. Enjoy Labor Day weekend and week one of college and all the other information you provided. Sounds good, my man. Time to get things going. You got it. Take care. And uh, thank you for listening to this edition of uh, Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling.